Welcome to the Sweet Fire Podcast, where we study and celebrate the lives of women who dare to let their fire light up the world. This podcast is based on the picture book, Sweet Fire. I am your host, J.P. Mitchell, educator, author, speaker, and curator of great stories. Let's get into today's episode and see what it has in store. In today's episode, we will talk with Bonnie James. Bonnie James is president and co-founder of Advanced Reading Concepts, a nationally recognized speaker and trainer who conducts instructor-led speed reading courses for conferences, trade associations, schools, corporations, government installations, and public classes, as well as summer school programs for teens in the Columbus, Ohio area. Her passion is helping people fulfill their potential and reach their career and education goals through superior reading skills. So I will say, first of all, thank you, Bonnie, for joining me. Thank you for having me. I want to say, first off, that it was kind of interesting the way that we met. And I ended up doing kind of like a side job in an interior design franchise. And I was assisting the owners of that franchise. And Bonnie, you also had your speed reading business in that same building. And so we ended up working together and I ended up being an assistant for you for several speed reading classes. And what's interesting to me about speed reading, and you can tell us more about what you do, but what's interesting to me about speed reading is that for the people who are literalists and who believe that you have to read every jot and tittle, every word, every syllable, or you won't get the meaning, speed reading can be kind of a terrifying experience because it's like, oh my goodness, I'm cheating. (laughs) And with you, you know, you are very comfortable saying, what is reading? It is getting the meaning out of text. And so you taught us strategies for what to do with our eyes to take in more text at, at one point in time and so forth. And we tested our comprehension and so forth. But I think that that speed reading is kind of maybe in the context of this sweet fire idea, maybe a metaphor for trust and risk taking. And I think that those are two things that girls are not typically encouraged to do, to trust themselves, trust the process, take a risk. Those are things that we're really kind of discouraged away from. So just want to say, again, I'm glad you're here. And I'd like for you to talk a little bit, if you would, about yourself and your background and why the Sweet Fire message resonates with you. Well, it resonates with me because, you know, I was in the glorious time era. You know, women were just useless until people like her raised us up, you know? Gloria Steinem. Okay. So she was one of my mentors. She didn't know me, but did meet her. But anyway, going way back, I got into teaching because my mother had been a teacher, but I always wanted to be one also. And it was one of the three opportunities for women back then, but I really wanted to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I started teaching first grade and what I like about what I do now is what I loved about that, which is helping people like to read. With what you're doing, is I like the book and everything because having read children's stories and from somebody like you who is inspiring them, that's what I love about what you're doing and how hard you fought. Well, I got divorced when my son was six months and one day old. Hmm. That was a little scary. And nobody was going to hire me because they would not believe that I really wanted to work. Well. 
they really thought that would be crazy. You know, I wouldn't even show up. And then it turns out I was only going to be getting alimony for two years with a baby that's six months old. Well, my male attorney said to me, well, you know, you're young and pretty enough. You won't have any trouble getting another husband by then. Hmm. Would that light a fire under the person to be a feminist, right? So then he would hire me and, you know, it was terrible. And then I saw an ad in the paper that said, wanted part-time certified teacher. And I didn't want a full-time job, of course, you know. So I didn't care what it was. I was a teacher who wanted a part-time job. And it turned out that it was American Speedring Academy. And I got hired. And they said the person who worked the best, that they liked the best, would get the most hours. So I thought I'll be the best darn teacher they ever had. And within a short amount of time, I became doctor of education. Wow. And then they expanded too fast. I ended up becoming the president. But anyway, so with my own personal growth as a feminist, I joined the Chamber of Commerce and other places and stuff like that. And when we first merged this business, when American Speed Academy went out of business, we merged with some people from Evelyn with Reading Dynamics that were not happy with their management. So we joined together and I was one of the two women in that group and I had to fight for myself and what I knew to be respected by the guys in the new company. The five foot me had to get six feet tall. So, <laughs> and then with the chamber, I stopped being a member of the Columbus Chamber because I was like on the small business council, even they respected me enough for that current president. And the assistant president just walked out of the room when I was talking once because he really didn't agree with what he was saying. So I've had to work hard to be myself for many years. So can you tell us a little bit about whether there was a spark of that courage to kind of be yourself, even when you were young, a mindset of being an overcomer. There's some seed that's planted, I believe, when we're young. And that's why, obviously, this is a picture book. But I'm interested in hearing, was there some time in your younger days, maybe childhood, maybe teen years, or if you feel like that was your coming of age after, you know, you were divorced and you had to reinvent, maybe that time? I would guess there were times in school when I wasn't listened to by teachers and I that I'd be, but I had Excellent teachers also who encourage us. I think had one teacher who would purposely argue with you to get you to state what you were thinking, to get you to think for yourself. Well, wow. I can't remember whether that was like in high school or college, but I do remember that now that you mentioned it, that somebody was like goading you just to see if you would be able to present yourself and say what you were thinking. Wow. So that kind of encouragement ends up shaping the way that you show up in the world, the way that you express your ideas and so forth. Wouldn't you say that after that experience with that teacher that you maybe responded a little bit differently when it was time to defend your thoughts or ideas? Oh, sure. I was more prepared. Mm -hmm. But I think that whole, as my young adult stuff with that going on, really did shape me somewhat too. Mm-hmm. I was also, just remembered this, when I was in college, I was in a group called Angel Flight. It was the Women's Auxiliary of the Air Force ROTC before women were allowed to be in 
the Nazi. There we go. And so I had to get respect from the men, you know, also that I would be marching with and being with and stuff like that. But it was a really wonderful organization, but I did largely respect women being strong and being part of that. I like that. When I saw you in the classroom, you had a strength. And I think this is one of the messages that I want our young girls to know that strength looks a lot of different ways. And I didn't see you trying to emulate some style like, oh, I'm going to act like a man or I'm going to, you know, do this or that so that I could get these kids' attention. You had your own authority. You had your own strength. And when you needed to be sweet and nice, you did that. And when you needed to get on somebody and say, stop using that card underneath those words or, you know, whatever it was, you did that. And so do you have any thoughts about what it looks like sometimes for a girl to demonstrate strength and how it might be different from what they see highlighted as the definition of strength? Wow. And I think they just need to be who they are and what's in their inner self. Let it be expressed and let it be respected and get to know what it is. And I love what you just said. Yeah. Get to know what it is. Mm -hmm. Feel it. Let it be. Let it come out. Wow. Don't suppress it. Yeah. Getting to know what it is, that can sometimes feel like a lifelong journey. But to the point that you're making and the point of this book, we want that process of getting to know what it is that's special about you, what it is that being yourself looks like. Learn it as early as possible so that you're not following everybody else's expectation for who you're going to be. And then you say, well, now I'm 40, I'm 50. Now I can be myself. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I remember when I was a younger woman, I would hear and read that Oprah Winfrey said that when she turned 40, she stopped caring what people thought. And there were other celebrities who would like echo that sentiment. And I remember thinking, do I have to wait till I'm 40 to get that freedom? You know, I wasn't even in my 30s yet at that time. When other people have said, when I hit 50, you know, just my courage kicked in and I just became all of myself. But my wondering, Bonnie, is can we get to that place earlier? And what does it look like to help our girls do that? You have any thoughts on that? Trusting themselves, being themselves, exerting themselves and get out there and be who they are and who they want to be. And they could just be, so, you know, sincere and who they are. Somebody puts them down and makes fun of them. Don't let that get to them. If yeah. somebody does that to you, that's because they're insecure because you're good. Yes, that's good. So earlier you talked about the divorced you. You're young. I don't know what age you were, but you're young. You have a young baby and you have to figure out what you're going to do. And you mentioned that someone said, well, you're young, you know, you're pretty enough. You can find another husband. And something about that didn't sit right with you. Now, I myself don't identify myself as a feminist. I just love being a woman. I don't identify myself as a feminist, but I think that hearing that message would have lit anybody up who thinks maybe the way that, you know, I do, and clearly you did. Can you say more about what it was that just kind of burned you up about that message? Yeah, because that's not what my goal in my life was to be, you know. Mm -hmm. and use my prettiness and my youngness to find somebody else was not what I thought at all. It was insulted, I thought. I was mad at my attorneys for not sticking up for me. 
of course, I can never use that attorney for anything again, ever. Yeah. You know, it just was very painful to have him dismiss me like that. Well, so since you mentioned that, in the spirit of reclaiming kind of that moment, if you could talk to that attorney and go back in time, rewind the tape and go back to that moment, what do you wish the attorney had said to you instead? Or what would you recommend somebody who's talking to a young lady? I know the times are different and I know there was a lot of emphasis on being married as your bread and butter, that's your everything. But still, I think there's something pretty important about that moment that you mentioned. What do you think he should have said instead? That that short amount of time for alimony with a brand new baby was insane and ridiculous. And that it was going to be extended because my job was not to see if I could go find somebody else because they were young and pretty, but to do my best for my son as I could be able to take care of both of us. And that being young and pretty had nothing to do with anything. Yes, I understand it. I do. And I think that it's interesting because I was telling someone that I've kind of been deconstructing my thoughts about all of these things, especially having a daughter now and she's eight years old. And I had to reckon with the idea that I used to think you literally could choose one or the other. You either had to be the pretty girl or you got to be the smart girl, but you could not be both. And I had internalized this message from somewhere in society. My parents didn't tell me that. My family didn't sit down and say those words to me. But I picked up from society this concept that you have to be in this box or that one. You choose a box. And so society chose smart girl box for me because physically I was not the embodiment of what society was saying was, you know, the beautiful. But in my household, that wasn't really emphasized anyway. Like you said, it wasn't like, oh my goodness, we love you because you're so pretty. Now I hear families who do that and they emphasize the prettiness. I tell my daughter she's pretty because I want her to know she is, but I don't make it the centerpiece of her identity. And that's what I hear you saying. And I also think that, well, women just, you know, during the era when I was growing up, we just really had to fight for everything. And sometimes I grieve because a lot of stuff I fought for is like it's being dismissed right now, but going backwards. But I think just like being in a business, like mostly of men and, and I can now remembering back about how I became president of this company was because all the men dropped out. Wow. So that's a wide open space for you. Last person standing. Last person standing. That's really interesting. I don't know. I just think that it was kind of made for you. So I'm glad that you ended up being the last person standing. So I think this might be my next to last question. Can you say something about the idea that maybe, I had never thought of this until we got on this call together, but if we saw speed reading as a metaphor for some of the things that girls are not typically encouraged to do, like go a different route, find a loophole, use what is not stated, don't read every single word, don't follow the traditional advice or the traditional mindset about reading, you know, kind of break a rule. Those are things that usually we're not really encouraged to do. And do you ever notice any differences between your male and female students in their willingness to embrace this? Not really. 
Kelso one time said to a group of us, the only people who like change are wet babies. <laughs> and change is hard. Yes. It was more like personality types, like how stubborn or set in their ways they are. But one of the things I think that could be a good analogy is I teach people to see the big picture, but mm. the details as part of the big picture. So the way we get people to understand this, getting a lot of information all at once is seeing the big picture and the details of what make that picture. So they can see the big picture, what they want, then the details can fall into place to help them get there. Wow. That's a piece of wisdom right there. Can you say more about that, please? I have this goal for myself and these are the things I've got to do. Like they're all together. I'm not going to look at this detail, 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 detail. See this big one I want. And these are the things I need to do to get there. So we see more at once and we think the big idea instead of each little detail. And that gets us where we want to be with our reading and also can get us to where we want to be with our life. I love that. I think that makes perfect sense. And understand that change is hard, but it's not possible. Mm -hmm. And those people who do really take on the speed reading approaches and use them, what do they come back and say to you about how that change impacted them? They were able to achieve things they never thought they could. You know, I had one teenage student and he said, before I took your course, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to graduate from high school. And now I know I'm going to go to college and succeed. Wow. That's so, like teaching your class and getting tears in your eyes. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're empowering people to embrace change and challenge what they thought was their limitation, right? Opening doors. Yeah. They have to choose to go through the door, but opening doors for them and opening their minds and making them feel confident. And I, mean, I think that's one of the things, giving them courage. Yes, courage. I think you're masterful at that because I've watched you with a lot of different people. When you talk to them, you don't talk tentatively like, well, you might understand this. You might be able to pick this up. You speak as if it's certain, as if it's already done. Like, you'll get it. You know, that's the way you approach it. And so when somebody is that confident about you, it makes you more confident yourself. And I think that's golden, you know? Thank you. Thank you. So I guess my last question would be, is there any advice or anything that you haven't stated already that you want young people to know or even grown seasoned people about letting their fire light up the world? Don't let anybody else's preconceived ideas about what you accomplish get in your way. Don't let any of your own preconceived ideas about yourself stop you. Be open to what you can do. Go beat it. Ah, that's a beautiful way to end it. Be open to what you can do and go get it. And on that note, we are going to conclude this episode. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you joining me today. So fun to be with you again, Jafari. Thank you for joining us today. It is my hope that today's episode has left you inspired, empowered, and most of all, determined to let your fire light up the world. See you next time.